It's good to be here with you today. I'm glad to be able to be uh, in this space and giving thanks and praise just earlier and just uh, as a pastor, sometimes you're busy thinking about everything else and once in a while, by God's grace, you show up to church like everyone else for the, just to, per, to participate with the community in praise and thanks. Um, and thank you for leading us in worship uh, through the music and through the scripture reading and through prayer so that all of us together might be able to participate. Uh, in the year 2001, I walked into TD Square, the, the mall, with a feeling. I was in college, and I felt like I needed to wear something nice eventually. I needed to buy something that looked good, primarily shoes. That's what I was thinking. I needed some kind of nice dress shoes. Uh, nice, but not just nice, cool. Fancy, fashionable, um, masculine, but like not overdoing it. I, I had all these ideas, and most, of, most importantly, it needed to be cheap. Um, <laughs> and so with mediocre confidence um, and this feeling, I meandered my way through the mall um, and people, like when I would enter into some of the different stores, they would ask me if I needed help. And it, that wasn't just them being courteous because that's what you're supposed to do. It looked like I needed help. Um, to which I said, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And like, I'm getting more and more fatigued, more and more tired, and I'm still saying no. And eventually I find my way into this slick, cool, European-looking store. And, I'm, and next thing I know, I'm trying on these high-waisted, like, pants that don't quite fit right, but don't worry, they can be hemmed. So next thing I know, I've purchased these like fancy over-the-top wool pants that I now are being hemmed, and I'm holding this bag, and I'm walking out of the store, and, <laughs> and I think to myself, I don't even have shoes. This isn't what I wanted, and it wasn't cheap, and now I've got these pants, and I was like, what just happened? It was one of those moments where I was, oh man, shopping. Don't, you don't have to say if you've been there before. You don't need to say amen. You don't need to do any of that. Um, I, so I needed shoes. But I showed up with no plan, and I just meandered my way through. Next thing I know, I've got pants. This is a true story. Um, very true. I was outmatched and outwitted by that slick salesman. I, I don't know what words he said to me, but somehow he convinced me I needed a whole new wardrobe that I would never wear. Um, if you heard this rule of shopping before, don't buy groceries while you're hungry. Um, because then you're like, you do the impulse buy. Like you go there thinking fruits, veggies. Actually, I bumped into a good friend of ours from our church. I won't name his name, but he's working um, in the pro, the, down at the back. We bumped into each other at the uh, superstore the other day, and he's like, what are you going to buy? And I'm like, I'm buying fruits and veggies. And he's like, oh, I'm not. I'm buying the exact opposite. I don't know what you ended up buying, but it wasn't fruits and veggies. Is that right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it wasn't fruits and veggies. But next thing you know, You've gone shopping, and you're, you've got a bag of Cheetos that you've opened up, 
while you're shopping and while you're eating thinking, I will pay for this bag, don't worry, and thinking you get home and you like look and you're like, are these bags even mine? Are they even mine? And we've all been there, right? Um, if you shop with focus, you come home with food. When you shop frazzled and unfocused, uh, you get home and you don't know what you've bought. Um, we, we, this is so common in our own lives, um, that we live fragmented, restless, um, agitated lives, hoping for all sorts of things, going in all sorts of different directions, and we have that anxious need, wanting to like, and we end up having cluttered homes and busy lives, and we're filled with so much angst and confusion because we're just trying to go after everything, hoping that something will land. Um, we live in this fast-paced world that encourage is this never-ending desire to just go and grab and get. And this happens in organizations too, right? And in communities, and it happens in churches. Um, it's really easy for churches to lose sight of where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to do because there are so many demands, so many very real and necessary priorities, right? We, we have to foster community. We have to be on mission. We have to focus on how do we serve others. And then there's worship, and then there's teaching, and we need to go deep, but it needs to be accessible, right? We don't want to be political, but we also want to stand up for what is good and the beautiful and the true. But we've got to do that with kindness. But we also don't want to be wishy-washy. And all of these tensions, all of these different competing things can sometimes pull us and our families and our communities in all sorts of different directions. Without focus, without guidance, individuals, families companies and churches are, are like the raspberry bushes in my mom and dad's garden, that if they don't get pruned, they take over everything. I remember we used to have strawberries. They don't exist anymore. Somehow, the raspberry bush just kind of did its thing and took over. Luckily, the fruit was fantastic, so I didn't quite mind but without care, without nurture, without pruning, it just takes over. And so these berries were fantastic. But what I notice, and for any of you who are gardeners and have a green thumb of some sort, you would understand that like, these plants, without being pulled back, without being reined in, when they're left to their own devices, they spread and they flourish, but they don't flourish in the ways that produce fruit. Typically, it ends up being all leaf and no fruit. And I think that's a great picture, a great metaphor of what the world offers us as we pursue truth, purpose, and meaning. A lot of leaf and no fruit. But God desires for us to bear fruit. For us to bear fruit. Um, just the other day... Um, I, I was actually uh, in a counseling session. So 
Um, I try to go and see a counselor often. I, it's, it's a healthy practice. It's something I believe is really important for myself. And I think it's also really valuable that even as I, as a pastor, seek to provide spiritual care and counsel for you as a community, I should know what it's like to receive it on the other side as well, as well as unpacking things, working through the questions in my life, doing it in an environment that is hospitable and open and, and space. Anyways, I don't need to preach about the value of counseling. Um, however, while I was in that space, my counselor encouraged us, encouraged me to bring the questions that I had before the Lord in prayer. And together, and then I, as I prayed and I listened, and I had all of these different questions about life and myself and all of these things that we all do and have, uh, God gave me this one simple thought, and it wasn't an answer to all of my questions. It was, let me be your counselor. And I just felt that the Lord was saying, let, let me be your counselor. And that hit me right to the core. No, he was not suggesting that I stop receiving counseling from others, but in the day-to-day -day, that I must, for my joy, for my peace, and for God's glory, let Jesus be my counselor. Um, and so as I was thinking about that and as I was reflecting on that, it just became very clear that that was such a valuable, simple, basic concept that we as Christians who have been following the Lord, we know to be true. Jesus is our counselor and he is inviting us to be with him and near him and close to him in that way, and to let pruning be done responsibly by him. Proverbs 19.21 says this, many are the plans in a man's heart. Not in a woman's heart, let's just clarify. Many in a man's heart. <laughs> but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Let God be the master arborist in your life. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Uh, about a month ago, I was in Australia, and the trees in Australia are crazy. Like, Gum trees particularly, like the eucalyptus trees, they go everywhere. The branches are unbelievable. They just move in crazy ways. Sometimes there'll be a branch that'll be like super thick and only a couple of feet off of the ground and will go for like meters and meters and the kids will like climb on them and play on them and swing on them and it's a ton of fun. The other problem is is sometimes these limbs randomly drop off. <laughs> and fall off. It's not even like a slow cracking. Sometimes it's just like, we're done now. We're going to fall. And so in Australia, they have to be very attentive to all of the different trees. We can, we can go to another slide here and see this one too. Like they spread out everywhere without care and without nurture. And like many of us would know this as well in our own homes, if there's like a huge tree that's right near our property, we're, we're watching it. We're taking a look at those branches. And as soon as we think, oh, you know what? That needs to be dealt with, we make sure it gets dealt with. Because if we don't, 
We know the story. It falls on a house. It falls on a car. It hurts somebody. And that happens a lot in Australia, actually. They'll just, all of a sudden, trees will drop, limbs will fall, and will be quite damaging. So um, I'm with my brother and my dad and my family, and we've determined that there is a tree that needs to go. So my brother climbs up the ladder. It's hard to see. Um, He climbs up the ladder, and everybody had their job. So here's me out of the picture. You can't see me. If you look really closely, it's hard to see. There's like a rope that's attached to the tree. My job, (laughs) almost futile, maybe that's why they put me there, um, is to pull on the branch as my brother is cutting it to try to encourage the branch to fall well, to not fall into a dangerous location. And then my dad's job was to steady the ladder. And then so there's me, the tree was cut, it fell down, everything worked out, but this branch was huge, and it went over top of their like, garage space so that if it fell ever, it would hurt kids or it would um, hurt their vehicle. Anyways, uh, we all had a job. So my dad took care of the ladder. I was like pulling on the rope. Uh, Bryce was cutting the tree. Um, my mom was praying. Uh, the kids were cheering, and my sister-in-law was photographing. Everyone had a role. Um, we were all attentive. We were all taking care of this tree, knowing with this like full intention, we did not want it to go wrong. Um, and so, it, and then I thought about it, and the tree had a job too, and it was a simple job, and it was just to respond to our careful, intentional pruning. Um, and if we who know so little can put so much care into pruning a tree, how much more care and attention and skill will our Heavenly Father provide to you as he seeks to prune your life to bear much fruit? God is the gardener, and he cares about our outcome. He cares about our lives, and he desires for there to be fruit in our lives. The promise that was given in this scripture passage is is both terrifying and incredibly exciting. Because on one hand, it's a declaration that any branch that isn't bearing fruit, it's going to get cut off. It's going to get removed. It's not going to be worth doing. But at the same time, those branches that do bear fruit, he will prune and work with, he will trim so that it will bear much fruit. God prunes us so that, so that we together as a whole community can be a flourishing community, to be everything that God has created us to be. He directs our steps and he prunes so that we all can flourish. Now, this is not a new idea. This is not some secret tip. This is back to the basics, back to the core, back to the center. And I believe that before harvest, before fruit comes trimming, comes going back to the core and back to that which is central. It requires us to allow God as a community to prune, to refine, to ultimately renew us as a community so that we might flourish in all that God has for us to do. Um, For those of you who follow the Christian calendar, you'll know that coming right up, the next season in the Christian calendar is the season of Lent. 
Um, this coming Wednesday is the beginning of Lent with Ash Wednesday. And then from that time, there are six different Sundays. There are six Sundays that lead towards Easter. Now, historically, the season of Lent was all about us being mindful of our brokenness, mindful of, what, um, of our sin, and allowing God to prune us and work on us, just like when Jesus went into the wilderness, he allowed God to work with him and refine him and slow him down so that ultimately full dependence was on God before Jesus entered into his ministry life. Um, We are able to enter into a similar season. Um, I did not have a say in the process of when I um, would become the senior the senior pastor, but it landed perfectly in my mind. It landed exactly when it needed to be because before we just jump into, here's the ministry, here's the mission, here's the vision, here's where we as a church can start to head to, before any of that, I really felt that God was saying, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Let's not jump straight into that. Let's get our priorities straight. Let's get honest, let's get humble, let's get in step with Jesus. Becoming aware of our nature, of our hearts, the broken reality of sin. Let Lent before Easter refine us and work on us, just like the gardener pruning back the tree so that there can be fruit. God has good fruit for you in your life, good fruit for us as a community But before we jump into all action, I believe there's an important first step where we choose to be still and slow down and be before the Lord in prayer and in abiding, abiding with our Lord. Um, Steve Jobs said this um, a while back in an interview. He said this, people think focus means saying yes to the thing you've um, that you've uh, to focus on, that you've to focus on. But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that there are. You have to pick carefully. I'm actually quite proud of the things we haven't done as the things I have done. Innovation is saying no to 1,000 things. In this season, we are intentionally Um, I'm encouraging us to intentionally cut back from the the desire to do everything and fix everything and solve everything, but to pull back and let God, the master arborist, begin to work in our hearts and work in our lives, trusting deeply that out of that place of abiding, out of that intimacy, God will begin to reveal and show us what is going on in our communities, in our families, in our lives, in the places around us. This is what God is able to do for us as a community. He is intentional. And if left to our own devices, as, as plants, right, they become overgrown, tangled, a mess. They don't bear f- much fruit. But God desires to prune us so that we might li- have a life of focus, a life of meaning, a life of fulfillment. Now, in that promise, we see right after that promise of pruning and bearing fruit, there is the big promise that hinges on all, everything hinges on this. A promise that we see in 
John 15, verse 4 and 5. It says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a good promise that when we abide with Christ, we will bear fruit. It is the outcome of abiding with Christ, of being with Christ, of having our attention turned to Christ. We will bear fruit. It's not a question of if. It will happen. That is the nature of it. That is the promise. So in our own lives, when we toil and we fret about what we will do and how will we get it done and what are the outcomes of our lives and we feel overcome by all of these pressures, all of these pressures that come down on us, when we choose to abide in Christ, we know that fruit will occur. That if we set our sights on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when we take the time to abide through prayer, through meditation, through reflection, through healthy and beautiful conversations amongst each other, as we do that, it will produce fruit. That is the promise. We have the story in, 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 in Luke's gospel, in chapter 10, there's the story of Mary and Martha. Many of us know this story. Many of us are aware of that classic tension between Mary and Martha. Let me just read it again and let us think of this passage in the context of what we're talking about today. Now, as they went on their way, he entered, Jesus, a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, he didn't say, Martha, you've messed up and you're doing it all wrong. But he acknowledged that there is one thing. In that particular moment, there was one thing that, was that everything needed to be about, and it was being attentive to Jesus. It was the right thing. And he wasn't saying that preparing food is wrong and having responsibilities in our lives and trying to get stuff done. No, none of that was what was of issue. It was that Martha's concept of what was most important was upside down. And Mary had chosen the better part. She wasn't letting the angst and the fretting hinder her. She was going to the feet of Jesus. In the next six weeks, 
we are going to go on a journey towards the cross of Christ. And in these six weeks, my encouragement to all of us is to make room for us to get to the feet of Jesus. That we can trust that if we spend six weeks taking time as a community to pray, to listen, to lean into what God is up to and who Jesus is, that when we put our attention there, out of that space, we will have the opportunity to see clearly, think clearly, and be motivated because God will be bearing fruit in our lives. God desires to trim in our lives. It's not comfortable. I am sure a plant is like, ow, that's not what I would prefer, is to have this limb removed. But as a gardener, we know that that's what, that's what works. That's how fruit gets produced, is by that attention and care. God desires to have that kind of attention and care in your life too, to trim back on some things, some things that maybe in your life you've just been going a little too far and fast on and pulling back in this season with full expectancy, full confidence out of that promise that as we abide in Christ, we will bear fruit in our own personal lives and us as a church we will bear fruit if we choose to make space for God to prune us and for us to put our attention on Jesus. This is a great commitment. This is a great call for us as a church. After the temple of God, and I'll finish with this thought, after the temple of God was first constructed and it was beautiful and it was glorious and Solomon had it all done up and it was perfect and God's glory came down on that place and it was exciting. The, the community, the Israelites had something to celebrate. They were excited. But then right after that moment, right after there were the sacrifices and God's presence was clear and he had manifested himself amongst the people at the temple, he turns and he reminds Solomon of this warning and this invitation. In Second Chronicles, he says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That, that, that statement didn't come before. It came after as this warning, as this reminder. God desires to work in our lives. He desires to prune. He desires for all of this flourishing. But we must be a people of prayer. We must be a people that choose to abide with Christ and out of that place we will bear fruit. Would you commit with me for the next six weeks for us to pray, for us to spend time, to take time? And um, I and the, and the church staff, we will provide different uh, avenues and different resources and different ways for us, ways for you as an individual and ways for us communally as a, as a corporate, as a as a church, to come together in prayer for the sole purpose of choosing to abide with Christ in full trust that fruit follows.
if we would pray, God will heal their land. This is a beautiful promise, and it's a promise that we can hold on to today. Prayer is one of those key, powerful tools, and we know that to be true, but sometimes we forget because it feels abstract or it feels disconnected or it feels not, not quite tangible enough. But with effort, with practice, with willingness, prayer is a beautiful and powerful element in our lives. Some things, it says this in Mark 9, there's the story where there was the demoniac, there was the, the man who was unable to, to, they weren't able to release the spirit. They weren't able to bring deliverance. And Jesus turned to them and said, um, and they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive this demon out? And he replied, this can come out only by prayer. And we see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In Philippians 4, we have that beautiful passage where it says, um, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Colossians 3 says, um, Masters, uh, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. The spiritual discipline of prayer is not easy, but it is necessary and it is beautiful and as we abide with christ we know that fruit will follow and that's something that you can be excited for your own life but also for us as a community let me pray heavenly father today we come to you lord today we come to you in prayer Lord, I just, I just realized, I just said that prayer is really important. And I was just planning to wrap up the service. And I'm feeling you gently invite us to pray. Lord, I, I'm just, as I, Lord, I'm just trying to think that through. Lord, I thank you so much for the prayer that we've already been able to enjoy um, and appreciate through Pastor Bohr. And Lord, I thank you for those who chose to come to the altar in prayer earlier. But Lord, um, as we start these next six Sundays heading towards Easter, I, I, I know that you want us to pray. And so Lord, I, I invite you to help us pray. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Just, so, just so you know, just because I'm the, 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 new, the new pastor and I'm, just, I'm not doing this every Sunday, all right? I'm not like 
changing things up at all. Earlier, I had told the worship team that we weren't going to do a song after the service. I'm changing my mind. As they get themselves sorted and settled, um, they, they can get themselves sorted and settled out. Um, this is what I feel is valuable for us to do, and we have time. And, and the kids' ministry is in full steam. They're still running. Everything's fine. Normally, we end at 11.15, so we have a bit of time. I didn't plan for this, but I feel like, Lord, you, you created a space. And it's really simple. As they lead us in worship... They're going to sing once. Yep, they're going to sing that song. Um, and as they sing that song, here's the vulnerability. Here's the hard part for us to do. I would ask that some of you, instead of just worshiping at your seat where you're at, and you can choose to stay, that's totally fine, but that if you feel a sense of conviction of like, Lord, these next six weeks before Easter, I, I want to commit to praying and praying with intentionality, praying for my church, praying for my community, getting ready for fruit, getting ready for harvest, that sometime in the midst of that song, you would either where you're at right now, choose to sit and pray a prayer of asking and saying, Lord, help me pray, or choose to come to the altar, um, kneeling or standing as an act of, of saying, Lord, I am choosing to enter into a season where I'm going to make time to pray because without my abiding with you, I'm, I'm lost. Um, we will not bear fruit. And so as we sing, I would encourage you to consider making that commitment. And you can do that through, as I said, just staying where you're at and making that choice in your heart. Or if you need to be a bit more tangible and physical, walk forward and come stand with me or kneel with me in prayer as we, as we worship. So would you stand with us as we, as we sing and as we make space for this time of commitment?
Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we worship you. We declare your goodness. Lord, we recognize that we have plans, we have hopes, we have dreams, we have aspirations in our lives. But if you are not directing our steps, they will lead to frustration, disappointment, and discouragement. And that when we carve our own path and when we just push forward and we do not listen to you, we don't make space for you, we will never be satisfied. The path will never be firm enough. The road will never be clear enough. We will always feel like we're fighting. But Lord, if you help us abide, that you help us get close to lay at the feet of your son Jesus and be be nourished by your word, nourished by your insight, encouraged as the counselor that you will direct our steps and you will help us as families, as a church, as communities. Lord, we lay our plans before you and we ask in these next six weeks as we prepare for, for Easter, that exciting and beautiful day, that you would help us be a people who pray that we would abide, and in that place of abiding, we know that fruit follows. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives. We ask for your help now to slow us down, to help simplify our lives so that we can be about that one central thing, that thing that Mary had figured out to be at your feet, Jesus.